Okay, this is this is part two because almost a year ago, I had heard you got you were um, going to leave your you were releasing your golden handcuffs, and mine were released from me. So and here we are, dude. Yeah, I know it's 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 too funny. It was about a year ago, probably almost to the day, somewhere in this area. But it's interesting because if I hadn't released those handcuffs, I wouldn't be sitting here on right. your front porch right now. I wouldn't have the opportunity to do this, or at least it wouldn't be as easy to do. Yeah. I'd have to get vacation time or ask for permission to come. Yeah. Or now it's just, this is in very much a business trip, but a self-employed business trip that I'm on here. That's pretty cool, right? And what do you? So what are your thoughts? So you came here and see how I made the dream work. And so honestly, man, if there was no permaculture voices... Rich Fratzel would not be sitting on this porch with us. Um, and, and, and so something I want to say, like, so when I, when I first got started, man, I was listening to your podcast and was going through what Luke Callahan was talking about in PV2. I think it was either PV2 or PV1. And he was talking about how what's really important is not who's in front of the room, but who's sitting next to you and, like, who you're networking with. And it, like, really registered with me. And then it just kind of worked out. So, I mean, like, so I got to connect with Rich at PV3, and I, uh, I brought the party a lot at PV3. I want to pat myself on the back for that one. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, we had – I, I think it's like – I think it's a lot of times, man, I, I, it's – when you go to events like, like yours that you put on, and then it's like you, you, you're you, – do you feel like now that you're self-employed, you get it to enjoy – the fruits of your labor and what kind of suffering you put yourself through to put on these massive events and everything. Yeah. In a way, I think a lot of the, a lot of what I do, if not all of what I do now is predicated upon relationships that some from the past, some are more current, you know, they all take work to maintain. And, you know, I wouldn't be here to film a video at your place if I hadn't met you and stayed in contact. And all the people I shoot YouTube videos with on this trip, it's all through extending myself out to them. Because the one thing I found in this space, and I've learned it a lot through the conference, because there was a lot of people that were generous and worked with me. Some of the people like a Salatin and uh, Alan Savory, they were they put themselves out there and worked with me when I was an unknown and they're like, who the hell is this guy? So I've always tried to carry that on with what I've done and, and show people that are just starting out that you might never otherwise hear of and give people a chance. And that's really paid dividends for me because it gives me places to visit when I go. It gives me resources if I have questions on certain things. So I never would have thought that going into this but the value of creating these social connections and rich mentioned it earlier here you have that in columbus is huge it makes life so much easier if you just kind of go at it with doing what's right doing what you would want somebody to do for you and doing what just being helpful going out of your way to help people that tends to help you in the long term being the change you're looking for in the world yeah exactly exactly Yeah, I think so, man. I think it's um, it's cool to see. I'm like, uh, it's, it, it was interesting to me that like we were both kind of in that that transition, and uh, I was happy to share with you because I know where I was psychologically the last time we talked. I think you were in a lot better place than me because mine was a forced thing, and you're like, 
No, I'm just walking away, man. Like I, I don't get a severance package. I don't get unemployment. Like this is this is me wanting to do that. We both kind of took the red pill, and uh, I I feel really good that I can. It feels good to have you come here. Like it's like it's it's a, in a sense it's an honor, man. Because I think like, and I don't want to sound too weird, but it's like you know, your podcast has inspired so many people in this field, and it's given people a starting point. And it's you know it's it's easy to to. Uh, and, and, and something that you, you mentioned in the video is, you know, it, it, you have to figure things out for yourself. And that you, you had pointed out that that's what I was doing. And I think it's it's great now that you can travel and do this. And I think and, um, there's a point to what I'm saying, Diego, but I, I got lost in the, the, the feel goodness of everything and having you here. Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that because somebody else has said that on this trip that I'm on. And I think I've arrived at this position where... I'm a quasi celebrity in this space. And I think one benefit of that is it's like it can have trickle down confidence effects. Yeah. You know, like if you're a baseball player and you get to meet, you know, Clayton Kershaw and he says, yeah. Hey, I like how you pitch, you know, that, that could lead you to keep push a little harder, do other things. And I kind of feel like a hey, part of the role I have now is to do that and create that trickle down talking to Greg Burns on a podcast before he mentioned this and it was like I through my event attracted him into permaculture and now he's become his own beacon his lighthouse where he's attracting more people in so I think you know that's part of the role but even for me and him like him and I with Ohio GSD I mean I pushed him so hard to make Hogtoberfest this event and he's like you know he's a you'll you'll get to go there he's he, he doesn't He's an old school hillbilly. If Greg Burns could zip up his his holler and never have anybody come on, he would. But he sees the value in not doing that. He sees the value in, in offering the old time ways. And it's like, and yeah, your event attracted Greg. And then I became friends on Facebook from listening to his podcast. And Facebook's algorithm was kind enough to recommend all these friends to me, like Rich. And like I was friends with Rich before I even met him and knew who he was. Or like even uh, when I went to your to pv3 i'm like oh yeah oh no we're actually already friends and it, it's like be sorry to interrupt but it's just like the beacon of that and, and it's just like there wouldn't be it, it, there might be an ohio gsd community but it wouldn't be where it is now where we're doing you know we just had our second hogtoberfest or we just helped a, a guy we helped his son do an eagle scout project with uh habitat for humanity yesterday and like we have this real sense of community and i think it's it, it's and I think sometimes I don't I don't think a lot of people look at that. I think a lot of times people just try to look for for dollar signs or, or something else. And I think that's you know that's something we were talking about when you first got here is, you know, um, people don't people people instead of thinking about how much they need to earn, they don't think about the, maybe the, the lifestyle aspect or or what um, what they actually need. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm not the most extroverted person, which might become shocking to a lot of people, you know, doing a podcast, doing YouTube videos. And I'm also the person who would like to zip myself up in my California half acre and say, okay, this is my bubble. But I've realized the value of pushing outside of that and helping people one because it, it has benefited me personally and my family in a lot of ways not just money but just in support and it also makes me feel really good and i've kind of was talking to somebody about this the other day i don't know if it's selfish 
But when you help somebody, you know, you feel good. So if you put yourself out there to help a lot of people and you feel good about it, you know, there's a selfish aspect to doing that. But it's a positive selfism where you get the benefit of feeling good about doing it. They get the benefit of doing that. So I would encourage people to connect more and do more. Like it's only going to help you. And I think the restraint to that is like, oh, you know, I'm already so busy. I don't have the time. And I don't think it takes a lot of time. I think it's just strategically use time. Somebody's doing a big project. You, know, you help them for half a day during that big project. And then down the line, if you have a project, you have somebody else you can reach back out to. And then maybe you build other things out of that. So there's a lot of directions you can go in. But it's just it's funny how I've evolved through that. And it's not how I would have started. Yeah, I mean, so so let's let's kind of break that down. I mean, so going into this, and we've so we've talked a couple times before. Like, I, the podcast wasn't that just something that you created to promote the original permaculture voices, or how did how did that all work out? Yeah, I think initially that was the that's at least what I told myself. But I think I always had the bug to do this anyway. Yeah, you know, from listening to it gave you an excuse. Yeah, it was an excuse to actually put it into action and to tie it to monetization because there's a lot of time, you know, that goes into this. So there's got to be some benefit. And I'm I'm going to say for as much as I do, if I wasn't getting paid anything to do it, I wouldn't. I couldn't produce as much content as I do. Like it just wouldn't work because I'm. I have to steal that time from a business from my wife and kids, from other parts. So it's got to go to feed the greater whole. But I think I always did want to do broadcasting of sort. And I think, and I was thinking about this driving over here, like, again, I get off on this helping people out. And I, I think that that was probably always in me, and I just was never in touch with that. And I feel very fortunate now to have created a platform that where the goal, let's say, initially was to advertise the event, but now it's to help people who I feature on the show or in the video, but also people watching, whether that's technique or inspiration or just knowing they're not alone. Because I think one of the big things is people find that, you know, they're the crazy person in this space doing this. There's nobody else out there. But you see some of the videos I do at the podcast and you see people like you who are the other crazy people? They're just not all living on one block. Yeah, I I think um, I feel pretty fortunate that Ohio has so many crazies. I think we're we're pretty blessed here to have so many crazies that we could attract a crazy like Rich here, my uh, secret weapon as I like to call, it, or garden gnome. However, I I have different goofy names for Rich, but uh, yeah, I think um, I think it's it's having it's essentially you, you had to create a way that you you could express that part of yourself. And I feel, I feel similar with that just with the podcast. Like if it's like, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I wouldn't have a reason to express my, my full crazy. Like I wouldn't have a reason I wouldn't have something to challenge me. And now it, it like gives me a sense of accountability to where it's like, you know what? I don't, nobody's going to want to listen to me if I do this and fail. And I've seen that happen with other podcasts where it's, it just doesn't it doesn't go well or, or something like that. So I think, um, yeah, I think I think that's it's it's good to see and it, it's definitely inspiring for me. I mean, I thought it was super cool to get on Facebook and see new ideas and see this video of uh, 
video that I know you probably shot of Curtis Stone using the paper pot transplanter. And I called you and I was like, it's so funny because it's been out for 10 years, but how cool is it that this is, this is your business that's being featured? Like, how, like, you know, so do you want to talk about the paper pot transplanter and that? Or Yeah, I'll talk about it in the context of a greater story. Yeah, you know, yeah. We talked a year ago and I was leaving my job. And I think at that time I had a plan for how 2017 was going to go. And 2017 has gone a very different direction. Not bad, but just unexpected. So I think, you know, the lesson in that is you can only plan so much. Yeah. In a lot, and you also have to be flexible with, with what you do plan on because the paper pot wasn't even on the radar when we last chatted. YouTube wasn't on the radar when we last chatted. And those have become two big components of what I do, both in terms of the time commitment they take and the income that they can bring to my family. So they've been huge from that standpoint. And the paper pot, if you think about that, going back to relationships that we talked about before, that was that came about from me being involved in this space for a long time. And the podcast even ties into this too. So I'd interviewed enough people on the podcast to realize that, okay, this paper pot thing could be a big thing. I started to hear more about it. I'd been so immersed in the space, like I had near to the ground, and I, I'm like, okay, there's some rumblings happening here, and I'm detecting those. And I had tried enough businesses that had worked and hadn't through a conference and everything else to realize, okay, I, I cannot let this pass. I feel good enough about the rumbling. Like, I just have to dive in it at this point. And then I leaned on relationships that I have with Curtis and got him involved and now relationships to help market it through people like Ray Tyler and Connor Crickmore and Eric, Eric Schultz, oh, Eric Sted, Schultz. Yeah. Steadfast Farm. So... Those relationships now help to grow the business, but they'll also help in a way where I can take advantage of the position I'm in to aggregate knowledge to put out there in the public domain that wouldn't have otherwise been there. So you have this kind of hurricane spiral of all these things that have came about. It's a business that was based on an idea that only came about because I saw it being in the space long enough, and it only functions partially because of the relationships out there and it's creating this whole new knowledge base that would have been more compartmentalized but given the the place i occupy within the space that compartmentalized knowledge can now be widespread do you think you would have seen that opportunity had you not decided to remove your golden handcuffs and were giving that time to somebody else yeah, probably, to be He's honest. Still, okay. I, I wouldn't have had time to do the business. That would have been the hard part. Yeah. Uh, it would have. I think I still would have seen it. It just would have been a time issue. Did it, it's, I mean, have you noticed any difference in, like, the way you think? Like, do you, do you think, do you feel less bogged down not working for somebody else and just working for you? Like, I, I feel bogged down sometimes, but it's in a different way. It's all with my, my stuff. No, I'm just, I can't imagine doing what I did before. Yeah. I, I can't say that I, I think different or I really feel different. I'd been pretty checked out at work <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. So I was really just a body there doing what I had to do, and I feel like above average. But I was not emotionally invested in that company or that work at all. So when I flipped the switch, it was kind of like, okay, my eyes were already adjusted to the dark 
for a long yeah. time. It wasn't that hard. I'll tell you the things I do notice is, you know, I had a job before where I'd get paid to sit at a desk, do a lot of database entry, customer service, and I could also work on the podcast and other things in my downtime in between helping customers. So it was an easy desk job for the most part. And there was a lot of days where, you know, it'd be like, well, I could watch this on YouTube and whatnot. But now I actually don't have that luxury. And I stress more about time working from home because my kids are around and stuff yeah. where before it was like, you have to do this. So I had to go. But what I do now, like packing boxes for the paper pot, you know, it's a warehouse job. If you think about that, that's a, whatever the minimum wage has to be now, $10 an hour, whatever it's required to be. I mean, that's what that job is. And I do that for eight hours a week, maybe, maybe 10 hours a week. So I come from a job at one time where I made over $100,000 a year to a eight, $10 an hour warehouse packing job, but I own the business. Yeah. And a lot of times when I'm packing those boxes, you know, one or two of my daughters are in the garage hanging out. And we can talk. And sometimes when I have to go pick up equipment, they come with me on those runs. So in many ways, life is more stressful. Life is harder to manage time. It's definitely not as easy, but it's a more fulfilling, more well-rounded, difficult. Like I'm embracing what I've brought upon myself. Yeah, so it's you, you, you essentially have – they're good problems to have, right? Right. It's, 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 it's different than – that's, I mean, that's the thing. I think, you know, just the, just the lifestyle here. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's nice knowing that the only person I'm really accountable to is me, and then I have somebody else here looking out for me, which is, which is rich, and it's like, and it, it's nice, it's, it's nice not having to punch the clock. I mean, I don't make nearly as much money as I did, but man, my life's a lot more fulfilling and. And honestly, I don't have as many expenses because I don't have to leave as much. I mean, I I do still. I still get out and hustle and and do social social stuff, or I make extra money doing like skip the dishes or um, or something like that. But it's like you know, a lot of that time, it's just it's time for me to you know either listen to a book or, or decompress, or I, I actually like to think while I drive. And so it it is. It's very different, but man, it's. It's very, it is just like what you said, it's very fulfilling and it's, it's interesting to see, you know, when I, when I go back and I, I interact with people who I worked with who were in the same position I was in and it's, I feel like it, it, it's, it's so weird because it doesn't feel like it's been a year because the year has been so fulfilling and it's been so enriching and, and it feels like it's been longer than a year, but not a year at the same time. Do you ever feel similar? It feels like a lot longer. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like, you know, the first three months seemed like that was a year. I yeah. think it took me a while to get out of the work hangover. Like initially when I first got out, it was like, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. I don't want to work on a business. You yeah. know, I did the bare minimum to keep everything afloat because I had just been so ground down more than I think I knew by that corporate grindstone that when I finally got out from under it, it was like, okay, this is what freedom is like. But I think the danger of running your own business can be you could recreate that corporate lifestyle as a self-employed entrepreneur. So just because you're self-employed, just because you work from home doesn't necessarily mean life is going to be better. I think why I've succeeded at it, at least how I define success, why you have and why people like Javin, who you know we're mutual acquaintances with, have done well is because there's a – I'm going to design my life to be this way – 
intention and component of what we're doing. If somebody hates their life because they work for a corporate employer, I think you could say, well, why don't I just redesign my life so I can enjoy it while working for that company? And that could all be fine. And if you think, well, the only way I'm going to improve my life is go work from home. If you don't do that same design step when you go work from home, you could find life could be just as bad. So I, I think why my year has been so good is I one thing I did think about is how I want to approach life and not putting so much pressure on myself to just work an eight-hour day every day at home and to take some time initially to decompress from that grind and see my kids more than I had in a long time. Yeah, how is let's talk about that. I like I'm big on family. How how rewarding is it to be able to spend a lot more time with your kids and family? It's good and it's bad. Like to be honest, like there's it's a very difficult thing to work from home. Like it's challenging. I stress every day about when am I going to get the stuff I have to get done? And I honestly don't do as much as I think I should or could get done. Like there's stuff I want to do more. But I, but I don't because I, I say it's okay to help my wife with the kids or do stuff with the kids. It's been, it's been huge, and I'm still trying to find that balance of where do you put is enough time with them and where is not enough. Because, you, you know, I'd love to hang out with them 24-7, but that doesn't pay the bills. That's not going to be sustainable in the long term. And I also yeah. don't want to work you know, 22 hours a day, give them two, that doesn't work. So I'm really finding that balance. But to answer your question now directly, it's unbelievably rewarding, especially when they're little, because everything I can do with them now, every moment I spend with them now is, is literally time I will never get back because they grow very quickly. They evolve very quickly at that age. It's very different than I think hanging out with somebody our age where if you hang out with somebody at 40 and 41 or 45 or 50, you know, life has changed, but they're not doing as much growth as you do between three and a half and four. And to see that intimately day in and day out and to, to see those experiences is huge. And I'm very willing now to say, okay, growth in the business or growth in things I want to pursue can go on the back burner while I push more time to these things because I can't get this time back. I can always grow the business if they go to college or they move out. You know, like there's that time for that. This is the time that I can't get back, so I can't waste that. Yeah, that's that's so true. I uh, so this summer, man, um, it was it was really hard, but I I I had I lost my first grandparent and. Uh, something um a book that i read that kind of helped me get through like number one it was great to be able to drop ev not necessarily drop everything but get what i needed to get done and say hey rich i don't my my grandmother said if i'm going to the hospital i i would want you to be there she said this about my grandfather a long time ago so i i i literally closed things up i said hey rich my grandmother's going in the hospital today it could be nothing but it could be the end like, I don't know. She never goes to the doctor. She hasn't been in the doctor in 25 years. So it was nice to have Rich here to, to take care of things for me. Then I went up there. She ended up passing away. And um, I found a lot of, like, comfort in this book by Gene Logston. He's, like, uh, he's the, the contrary farmer. So him and Wendell Berry were, like, best friends, and he passed away last year. And um, 
when he was first, he wrote this book when he first got cancer. You know, he was on his deathbed. It's called Gene the Everlasting. And a chapter in his book, he talked about the death that nobody talks of. And it's exactly what you just talked about. He's like, you know, that that little boy of my grandson, I'm never going to see again. He's never going to be the same kid that played basketball in my front yard that I got to sit on my porch and watch. And man, it's, I don't even have kids and I get teary eyed thinking about it because the way he worded it. And, um, so I, I think it's important for people to realize that. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it is a weird thing. Like just what you just said, like you only have so much time with your kids while they're kids and you never get that time back. Yeah. And I, you know, I thought a lot about that driving over here from the Detroit area, going through some of these back roads, in Ohio is I'm driving through these small towns. I was mentioning to you offline, you know, it kind of takes me back to when I was a kid because it, it almost seemed like a time capsule of sorts. And I got to the hotel and, and I got a little emotional thinking about it. Like some of this stuff I may never see again because progress is advancing. A lot of the people I could tell from just seeing people out who live in these homes, they're older, they're going to pass away. You have the McMansion style things coming in, the Walmarts coming in. There's so much in life that we glance at just quickly and don't think of it. But you may see stuff now or experience stuff that you'll never get a chance to again because time changes, it changes, you change. And I'm really try and hone in on that stuff now and just take an extra minute to think about it. Or, you know, if I start thinking, if I start going down a certain thought with it, just see where that thought goes and really internalize it. Kids are the same way. Yeah. You, you, they say something one day that's really cute and they say it, you know, how they say yes or no. And then one day they say it correctly and you're like, Oh, remember when they used to say that? Yeah. And you're never going to get that back. Yeah, man. Well, we got uh, you only got about four minutes left, so um, it, it's it was nice and deep and and uh, heart heartfelt there. Uh, so, where do you see? You know, this is year one. Um, where do you see this going now? Like, where what do you kind of project? I mean, I, whenever I try to project things, I, I know things can always change, but I have an idea of where I, what I would like to see go. But I know I'm going to react to whatever comes to me. So where, what do you see this growing into? What do you see, um, where do you see Permaculture Voices going? Yeah, or, I mean, Creative Destruction, because you, you know, renamed I, it. Which yeah, every, smart. everything that I'm doing is really now, I've given up on the projection too. It's like, I know what I have now is the stuff I'm focusing on. Like, I've pretty aggressively cut stuff out of my life over the past six months and said, this is what I'm going to focus on. And I'm, for the most part, saying no to everything new. Like I was very quick to jump at stuff in the past, get caught with too many irons in the fire and be struggling. So now I feel like finally, after like four and a half years, I've arrived at a blend of business and life that for the most part works, which is kind of scary. Think of four and a half years to get there. That's a lot of spinning tires, wasting money, figuring it out, stress. So now I have this blend that's paper pot, the podcast, YouTube, like my goal is to get this stuff, continue to grow it, get things managed out in systems where I have a routine to do it all. So I can balance life and work in a way that works for both and try and make myself as portable as I can, where 
I can do this stuff from the road, but I want to grow what I'm doing in terms of revenue so I can do this stuff on the road, but bring my family along with me. Like these trips are hard yeah. to go on my own. So if I can make a little more to do it and travel with them in the process, it, it'll, it's kind of going to be, a, I think, a self-fulfilling prophecy because the more I can travel and do this, the more things like YouTube could potentially generate, the more experiences and opportunity that come out of it. So it's trying to, to grow that. But do you see a future creative destruction RV or bus like Justin Rhodes? Yeah, you know, something like That'd be that. Fun. Yeah, yeah, just to go tour around because, you know, I, I don't want to say I'm done podcasting, but podcasting in some ways has become a chore. Old. Yeah. Yeah, work for me. Well, we, we talk a lot about because I've been podcasting for a little bit longer than you. Um, but it's like I I might not have had the success, but I mean we've 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 definitely consulted each other as podcasters. Like, what do you do to stop to not be bored? And I think people don't always see that. It's like, why are they changing up the podcast? It's like because for us to do it and enjoy it, we have to change it up. And I think and, and I think that's the biggest thing is like you have to do things different in your life. Whether for me promoting comedy shows. We're farming, and now that I'm farming, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to talk to farmers as much because yeah. that's my everyday life. Well, it's mainly Rich's everyday life, but I get to jump in and help, and I'm just teasing. I do. I mean, we just do different things here on the farm, and uh, I do a lot more stuff off the farm for the farm. But, um, you know, so I think it's like, you know, now I'm, I'm going down different paths, and like whether it's like now I'm like focusing on community more or, or exploring different ideas or discussing ideas and so I think I think that's the change. So I mean, do you see like probably if to keep doing the podcast, probably reducing how often you post it? Yeah, I do three podcasts. One of those you probably won't see in 2018. Like it'll go away. Yeah. But and that's going to be the the one that was Permaculture Voices because it's kind of the it doesn't fill a role. I don't need it for fulfillment. It, there's no monetary aspect to it. And when I'm already time starved, then the question becomes, why do it? If there's no money, there's no f personal fulfillment, why do it? So that'll get cut. Where the other ones provide the fulfillment. That's why I can cut that. Doing YouTube, doing stops like this provides the fulfillment. I'm not short on that. So I can cut out redundancies in the system. So I think, yeah, producing less there, outsourcing parts of it. Like I don't edit my podcasts anymore. And yeah. that's saved a ton in terms of frustration. And it's also allowed me just to say, okay, well, if I'm doing a podcast, I can just focus more on the doing, knowing it's kind of the last time I'm going to touch it. Yeah. Where when you're double handling or triple handling stuff, recording it and prepping it and editing it and posting it, like you're touching that same thing a lot of times in a short period of time, like, you know, go watch the same movie five times in a row and tell me how much you like that movie after the fifth time. You get old. It gets old. And that's what this can be. So it's just, it's following that creative thread. And I think I'm more of a creative than I ever thought I was getting into this. And like you mentioned how your transition has been, and that's how mine is. I don't want to get pinned down to doing one thing. And I'm willing to now say... I can shut stuff down and be okay with that. But and then you can always start something new. Yeah, I'll always have an outlet. I, I've i met great people. I can continue to further these relationships along the way. I, I think the key is this whole fulfillment aspect. As long as you're being fulfilled, regardless of what's doing that fulfilling, 
it allows you to, to absorb some of these shocks and have the ability to park new stuff because you can just chase that fulfillment in a way. Well, I think on that note, man, I th- you're you're short on time. We're a little bit over 30 minutes, so I stole two minutes from you. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. I can't get them back, <laughs> for, but I'm glad I wasted them. For, t- for people to contact you, for my listeners that may not know who you are, uh, what's a good way for them to follow your work and contact you? Yeah, just search for Diego Footer on YouTube. I'm putting more content there. We'll see some videos from you coming up. That's probably the, the best place I'd send people to. But for the podcasting stuff, just go to permaculturevoices.com, at least for now. That's where it'll be. And that'll route you to all the different podcasts that I do. Awesome. Well, Diego, thank you so much, man, for coming out here. I'm glad uh, I never thought a year ago we'd be sitting on my front, por- front porch together with Rich Fratzel. But I'm glad we are, and I, I appreciate you coming here, man. It's been a blast, and thank you so much, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, I would have bet a lot of money that this would have never happened <laughs> a year too. ago. But it's funny how life changes. Absolutely. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we look forward to bringing you more soon. Hey, guys. That was Diego Footer, so check out his work. Go to permaculturevoices.com. Also, go to YouTube and subscribe and click that little bell so you can get alerts and you can see upcoming videos that Diego shot of my farm um and he took some great videos of me and both me and Rich um but with that being said guys if you want to support the show please go to patreon.com slash sample hour donate a dollar a month you get to hear this episode of many more before they come out um I'm gonna do some more incentives too for y'all I just want to say thanks to all my supporters that I have right now um thank you guys so much you guys make it a lot easier for me to do this show uh also if you want to support the show you can also shop with the affiliates so go to naturesimagefarm.com use code word sample and save 10 percent and get free shipping um also if you want to learn to be a farmer uh click on the link in the show notes and you can check out curtis stone's course there is a discount code where if you want to purchase the course at a full price it is $100 less than normal. Um, and also check out Grant Schultz's free pawpaw course at versaland.tv. And that is all. So hope you guys enjoy your day, and I look forward to bringing you more episodes here soon.